Hello, Hannah. Hello, Anna. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm so glad to be talking to you. I know. We haven't talked in so long. I know. On my drive home today, I was just like, oh, what am I doing today? I was like, yes, I get to talk to Anna. I know. I was thinking that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were chatting for a second before this because we normally start out being like, what's new in our lives? And I was like, (laughs) I was thinking about this earlier today and I was like, really nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I resonated with that same exact feeling. I was like, I honestly don't have anything to talk about. And then Anna started talking about a chair and I told her hold up hold up hold up I'll have to listen to this in the episode (laughs) I was like the one big thing in my life is that I bought a chaise lounge not a really nice one they're like the one they're the chairs you have by pools do you know what I mean if you ever go to a like a pool or yes the one where you just like lie back in wearing your sunglasses holding a little cocktail in one hand exactly (laughs) you've got the image that I was going for in my head when I purchased it and you can like adjust the back so you can have it so you're laying all the way down or you can have it so you're perched up. Yeah. I bu- I have a bizarrely large balcony for my apartment. Like it's gigantic. It's amazing. It's so nice. That's what it is. It's so nice. <laughs> Except for the fact that only a part of it is covered and I have these birds who like prolifically poop on it. <laughs> so, Aw. But it's okay. Part of it's covered. So I'm just going to hide the chase lounge under the covered part. Yeah. But that is what's new in my life, is I purchased it, I got it in, and I have yet to put it together, because I've not had time. Oh my gosh. But tomorrow, Friday, I will be doing that. I'm so excited for you. Also, I'm excited for me, because I'm going to come over and (laughs) lie on that lounger with you. I would love that. Please do. I thought about buying two, but I don't think I can get them both to fit out there. So if you're going to... Yeah, because those things are pretty big. Like, they're pretty wide, right? It's hefty. It's a large size. Yeah. I'm excited. So that is what's new in my life. <laughs> but is there anything new with you, Hannah? Oh my god, let me think. That was how I was earlier today. I was like, I bought a chair. <laughs> and I was like, this is really interesting for my ears. <laughs> so I'm going to have to like give my genuine response in our podcast episode. <laughs> True reaction. Not yeah. practiced. Yeah. Let me think. Okay, so on Netflix, I know, Anna, you and I watched this in the past. I don't know if you've actually caught up with Love is Blind. I haven't yet because I'm one of those ridiculous people who has to watch every Olympic event. Oh, my gosh. Are you – have you been, like, staying up and, like, getting really analytical about some of these (laughs) events? So I went home with my parents and my dad and I get too into it. My mother just doesn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) What are, are, like – the events that you and your dad follow together. We watch anything. We really like canoe slalom and kayak slalom. Have you seen that? No. Oh my God. Look it up on YouTube. It's crazy. They have to go through these tiny oh gates in this like crazy fast water. And if you touch the gate, you get a penalty. It looks really difficult. And on some of their faces of these professional athletes who are at the Olympics, you know, when you have that look of like, I have no control right now, you are the oh best in the world. And you look like, yeah. like how hard is this? I'm looking at these pictures on Google Images. It's crazy. It's like these single person canoes. Yeah, I see the facial expressions. Yeah. The absolute fear. Dude, these rapids are going crazy. I don't even know how they control these boats like this. Oh my god. I went tubing once and that was really scary. I couldn't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my oh yeah, I know you lost your snacks. Oh my god, I lost my snacks. The water flowed into the tube, not the tube, it was like one of those raft thingies, blow up rafts. 
All right, but yes, I have not watched the new season of Love is Line. It's not a new season. It's like a epilogue. I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, I'm not interested in that. And then somebody I know was like, oh, you should watch it. And so I did. And then I told Hannah, who I yeah, think had the same reaction in. I did, who was like, oh, I don't know. And then you start watching it and you're like, I can't stop. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what we're going to do today? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so today's episode is all about the UFO report that came out in June 2021. This report was called the Preliminary Assessment Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So basically, this was a report about debunking UFO sightings in the U.S., and this was a huge news story this summer, so Anne and I wanted to touch on it uh, as one of our episode topics. Yes, it was really cool. I actually didn't even realize it had come out until Hannah messaged me. <laughs> yeah it was um actually what's wild is that i was surprised i didn't find out until my sisters messaged me hannah like, and they, <laughs> i know it's embarrassing because anna knows how much i love this stuff <laughs> and then my sisters saw it on the news and and then they immediately messaged me saying hannah your family's coming to get you because they're so nice <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love siblings oh man you know they're they're a ride they're a wild ride sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's funny All right. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about how this report came to be? All right. So the history of this report goes back to just December of 2020. So not that long ago, when the $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief bill had passed, Congress had also mandated another bill, which announced which announced that U.S. intelligence agencies had 180 days to release a report that details what we know about UFOs. 180 days is not very much. That's half of a year. I was about to say. Now, fast forward to summer 2021. The report released on June 25th, 2021. And like I said earlier, this report is titled Preliminary Assessment, colon, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. You can quickly find this report online. So I just Googled U.S. UFO report, and it was the first result I got on Google, and it's on the director of nationalintelligence.gov website. Yeah, we'll also um, have it linked in the show notes, too. So the latest report wasn't the first time we tried to understand the root cause of UFO sightings. UFO history goes all the way back to the infamous Roswell, New Mexico incident. According to UFO enthusiasts, That's when the U.S. Air Force found an alien spacecraft and its occupants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I just love the wording. However, this alien aircraft was actually an Air Force balloon intended for spying on the Soviet Union's nuclear program. And what had happened was that it had crashed at Roswell, New Mexico, and the U.S. Air Force did not want to delve any information about it, so they quickly cleaned it up. Yeah, we actually, we did an episode about this. The one where we talk about Roswell is under the Area 51 episode. And when you listen to that, you can learn how they're all connected. But this, yes. the story is actually a lot crazier than I ever realized. Yes. So I highly recommend you go check out that episode. I think it's episode 21. Yes, I think you're right. All right. So Anna, thanks for bringing up our spooky October 2020 episodes because the next part of this history is going to actually reference the first a spooky episode of that month, and that was the Project Blue Book episode. 
So Project Blue Book was another effort by the U.S. government to debunk UFO sightings. Project Blue Book was this elaborate investigation led by the U.S. Air Force at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. The investigation was specifically targeted at evaluating accounts of UFO sightings. This took place from 1947 to 1969. So it turned out just, so it started just two years after World War II had ended, and the project had terminated right around the time Apollo 11 launched to take the first people to the moon. Over the course of this time, 12,618 UFO sightings were reported to the Air Force. I forgot the number was that high. Right? It shocked me again. Because how many would that be? It was from 1947 to 1969, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to calculate how many that would be in a day. So that's, Ooh, that's 22 years. So there's 365 days. I know there's probably leap year in there, but like, I'm not going to do that. There's 365 <laughs> days times 22 years. And then that's 8,030 days. So that's more than one a day. That's what, yep. one and a half a day? That's exactly one and a half. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Wow. And what's even more wild is that of these, 701 remain, still remain unidentified. But if you think about it, it's actually pretty impressive that they were able to get to get an identification for the other, what was it, almost 12,000? Yeah, because I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but like they didn't, there was no, like it was just a lot of these, I'm sure we're imagining were just word of mouth, right? You were just trusting yes. somebody's firsthand account. And famously, witnesses are very unreliable, just for anything. Like, right. we as people are not actually as good as remembering events as we think we are. It goes for everyone. Right. This is not a knock on these people. It's true for me. It's true for Hannah. It's true for everybody. And it was a huge, huge, huge effort. Like, I would really recommend, if you're interested in this at all, to go check out that episode because we go into a lot of detail about uh, Project Blue Book and some of the sightings. Yeah, and those spooky episodes were super fun, too. We had so much fun with them. We did. We're going to have to come up with some new topics for this year's spooky month. Yeah, that's a good point, Anna. I haven't thought about that, but you're right. My apartment is so warm. I'm like, it's fall coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I... I love fall. Anna loves fall. I know. We talk about this all the time. We know it's a stereotype. We don't care. (laughs) Call us basic bitches. We like Starbucks and we like fall. Yeah. I I will not let you shame us. Nope. We love pumpkins. We Uh, love the mini pumpkins. We love Trader Joe's in fall. (laughs) (laughs) The Trader Joe's fall snacks are the best Trader Joe's snacks. So good. So Pum- good. They're pumpkin JoJo's. Oh my god, I forgot about those. So All right, sorry. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Project Blue Book wasn't the only military effort to investigate UFOs. The OG UFO research project was actually Project Sign that lasted about a year with the conclusion that the UFO sightings were caused by real aircraft, but the aircraft were not Russian or American. They were actually extraterrestrial. This was rejected by the military due to a lack of actual evidence and also probably because they did not want that conclusion. (laughs) They're like, hey, guys, you can't put that out there. (laughs) 
So Project Sign was followed by Project Grudge, which also lasted about a year, but it was canceled by the military when they found out that the Project Grudge personnel were on a mission to debunk all the sightings and concluded that all and they concluded that all the sightings were due to some natural weather instances, even though 20% were still unexplained. So it looked like there was some false and false uh, conclusions being drawn on these uh, UFO sightings and the military did not find the work that was done to debunk them as valid. So that's why they had canceled the project. We talk about this more in the Project Blue Book episode, but I can imagine trying to f- hire people to do this kind of research is really difficult. Because like, how do you find truly unbiased people? Because you're going to get the enthusiasts, you're going to get the people who don't believe in this at all and think it's a joke and yeah. will want to just get the minimal work done to get the work over with because they're not invested exactly like you have to find people who are truly just in it for the science and i can imagine with something like ufos that gets really tricky oh yeah i can imagine that if i went outside right now and i pulled the first 10 people i saw do they believe in ufos or do they not or are they unbiased i bet you nine out of ten of them would pick a side oh completely so again this report was not the only instance of the U.S. government diving deep into managing UFO sightings. We've done this before, and in my opinion, with more effort, just from assessing Project Blue Book's investigation that spanned 22 years. The report that was recently released studied 144 UFO sightings that were reported from 2004 to March 2021. I want to repeat something here. They focused on 144 sightings between 2004 and March 2021. But I also mentioned earlier that 701 sightings remained unidentified coming out of the Project Blue Book investigation. The reason the U.S. government didn't focus on sightings over all time is because a majority of the reports from 2004 to 2021 were provided through a new detailed reporting structure that Anna is going to go into. And this new structure allowed the government to capture more information on these sightings and they claim that earlier reports lacked sufficient information to then go investigate on but that's what i have for the history it's very brief for this report just because it was announced back only what eight months ago so i didn't have too much to dive into but thought i'd cover some of the older cooler older cool projects that uh, the U.S. government has also done. I thought that was great. And it was fun Thanks, to Anna. remember all the stuff that I haven't thought about for so long. Right? I'm really excited to hear about the uh, more of the details of the report. Yeah, this one was actually really neat. I read it, so I'm excited to talk about it. But before that, should we take a break? Let's do it. We're back. All right, Anna. Tell me all about this report. Okay. I read it, and it's actually not all that hard of a read. It's not an incredibly technical read, and it's only nine pages. If you're interested in this at all, I would recommend you read it. Yeah. As Hannah already mentioned, it was released on June 25th, 2021, by the United States Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and it's an unclassified report, which is why it's widely available on the internet. And Hannah's already told you this, but just in case you forgot, it is called the Preliminary Assessment 
unidentified aerial phenomenon. And this report is interesting for many reasons. A main one being that it signifies a change in the attitude towards UFOs or unidentified flying objects. We all know the stereotype of the crazy person, and I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it. <laughs> I don't like the word crazy. I don't like the yeah stigma it has behind it. But I think for this point, you remember the stereotype of the crazy person who reports UFOs. It's really impossible to know how many people are out there who may have seen a UFO but never report it for fear that they'll end up being perceived as, I wrote unhinged because I couldn't think of a better word. Yeah, that's a great word, Anna. And I was thinking when I was writing this, I was like, I don't know, if I saw something that I thought was a UFO, I very probably would just tell my friends and would never tell anybody else for fear that if it went public, it would affect my, like, I may not be able to get a job. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I probably wouldn't say anything. I don't know for certain it's never happened to me. But I also want to make a point here as a caveat. Don't get me wrong. I do think there are people out there who are maybe reporting UFOs for attention or there are people out there who are convinced they saw a UFO when it really was something like a smudge on a camera lens. Or there are some really crazy clouds out there. <laughs> we talk about this in Project Blue Book. How could you think a cloud is a UFO? There's some really weird clouds out there. There's some disc-shaped clouds out there, everyone. Like, know your cloud science. <laughs> exactly. But I'm sure there are people who have seen things we truly cannot explain, but have never reported it. As I've already mentioned a couple times in the title, they don't actually call them UFOs. They call them UAPs, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And I'm imagining this was done in an attempt to distance the report from the stigma that comes with UFO sightings. So they changed the entire acronym. So it's now UAP, and that's how I'm going to refer to them for the rest of this episode. Like I said, I actually read the report, and it starts out mentioning the UAPTF, or the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. They then mentioned nothing about when this was formed. <laughs> From what I could find online, the task force was officially established on August 4th, 2020 by the Deputy Secretary of Defense of the United States. And my understanding is they are the group who did the research and then published this report. I could be wrong, but that is what I understood by reading this. That makes sense. Yes, I thought so too. And the goal of its establishment was to gain insight into UAPs. Now, right at the beginning of the report, it brings up the point that I'm sure everyone is thinking, and it's that they believe the UAP events they analyzed are actually real physical objects, and not just things like smudges on windows, or cameras, or tricks of light, or clouds. And the reason they believe this is that the events have data that is showing up on sensors, leading them to believe they're physical objects. The idea being, if a sensor is picking it up, then something has to be out there causing the sensor to get data. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's super valuable to know that. What I will say about this report is while I was reading this, I would like think of something. I'd be like, oh, but did they think of this thing? And then they would actually bring up the thing I was thinking about. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. Sounds like kind of an intuitive read. Exactly. That's a much better way to describe it. And so they actually have a video, and it's linked in the NPR article I'm going to put in the show notes, that is supposedly the first official U.S. government released video of a UAP event from what I believe was a Navy pilot. And apparently there's been three videos released in total. All right. I watched the video. I'm not going to lie. 
it kind of just looks like a moving black silhouette of something. It's not very big. <laughs> my first thought was that if you've ever seen Avatar The Last Airbender, was that it looked like Appa. I was literally watching it. I was like, it looks like a flying hippo. And I was like, oh my God, it looks like <laughs> Appa the sky bison. Oh my God. <laughs> I can imagine that. That's hilarious. It was far away, so it was just a silhouette. But I was like, it looks like a flying hippo. Oh my God. But it was an interesting video. But it's really hard to tell from that what that was. I'm going to go back to the report. It then goes on to discuss the issues they had with interpreting data. And I actually already touched on this, but there was no formal process for reporting UAP sightings until the U.S. Navy established one in March of 2019. It was then picked up by the U.S. Air Force in November of 2020, but it's only ever been used by the U.S. government. So any reports that were made before this process were implemented or were made by people who were not employed by the U.S. government, it can be difficult or even impossible to analyze that data. Because it's all different. And the other thing is, if you don't have sensors picking up data or even camera images, if you just have firsthand accounts of what happened, it can be really difficult to compare two firsthand accounts when you don't have anything else to go on. And so, as Hannah already mentioned, it focused on UAP events that occurred between 2004 and 2021 with the majority occurring in the last two years, because that is when that process was implemented. I was really hoping the report would describe what that process was, but it didn't. Yeah, right, because I skimmed it, and I was hoping for the exact same thing. It talked some stuff about, like, this is what we need, this is what we did. It went into a little bit of detail, but I was hoping for, like, a very... Like, I was like, is it a sheet you fill out? You know, like, when you go to the doctor's office and you fill out a form. Do I upload images? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was curious. Along those lines, the UAPTF focused on reports that were witnessed firsthand by military aviators, and that contained data that was collected from systems that are considered to be reliable. I'm assuming this means different kind of sensors, cameras, etc. And this makes sense, right? Because if you're a U.S. Navy pilot and you're flying along and you think you see a UAP or you, you actually do see a UAP... Who knows? That's what this report's trying to figure out. (sighs) You're going to have sensors and equipment to pick up and record the event. And we know, or to the best of our knowledge, we think those sensors are reliable. That's a really good point. Yep. So it makes sense that they would focus on those reports. On top of that, they also, because they're part of the U.S. government, they used that internal reporting process. That makes sense. All right. And then the report actually brought up a point, like I mentioned earlier, I was reading this and I was like, well, that's interesting. But aren't these sensors calibrated for very specific purposes? They're not necessarily intended to pick up UAP event data. And the report actually brought that point up. And I was reading it. I was like, oh, nice. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it brought up the point to be like, look, these sensors have very specific purposes. And so they are not necessarily suited for identifying UAPs. So it is hard to know if that data is correct completely. And then it also brought up the point I actually mentioned earlier, that reporting UAPs comes with stigma, and so that there is a huge possibility that there are a lot more events that have gone unreported, which I thought was a good point for them to mention. That's a very thoughtful point. I thought so too. Yeah, because I don't think you and I directly read that in any of the documentation we came across for Project Blue Book. It's just something that we had discussed and talked about. It's kind of common sense if you think about it. Yes, 
but it's nice to see it written out to be like, look, we know that there's probably more data that we don't have because people were too afraid to report it. Exactly. Hopefully we can get to a point where you should be able to report things. It doesn't mean you're unhinged or unreliable. Right. And maybe you did see something and maybe you didn't. Yeah. And it's impressive that the government mentioned this in a document when they're trying to close on these sightings. Yeah. To say that there could be more out there. And that actually brings me into my next point. I'm going to jump right to the main conclusion. The main conclusion is basically they're like, look, we don't know what these are. So the report doesn't close at all, which was good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes you trust the the process more. Yeah, because there's no way they had enough data to come to any definitive conclusions. And they talk about that. But the very first conclusion they make is that the UAP that they're seeing do seem to be exhibiting flying patterns that no known U.S. aircraft are capable of. And this includes accelerating at crazy speeds, doing crazy flying maneuvers, stuff like that. However, it did mention that this could be due to sensor errors or sensors reporting data on something they were not intended for and would need to be analyzed further. It then goes on to mention that it does not believe all these UAP are coming from the same place and offers some possible explanations, including secret government projects within the U.S., or even within other countries, but it doesn't mention any possibilities or any projects that they thought it could be. All in all, it really ends with that they need more data to make any finite conclusions, but that they do believe the UAP events are real, and that a strong infrastructure for reporting and analyzing UAP events would need to be put into place if we ever want to determine for sure what they are. And then I was trying to figure out how way to end this, and the best way I could, it's just a direct quote from the NPR article I read about this, and it is... For UFO skeptics, the report will probably reinforce their doubts that aliens are periodically whizzing past but not bothering to send a clear message. For UFO enthusiasts, the report's acknowledgement of so many unexplained objects is likely to generate calls for more resources to study the issue. I thought this was a great point, because at the end of the day, this report's going to give you what you want. If you believe in UFOs, it's going to enforce that. If you're skeptical about them, it's going to enforce that too. And at the end of the day, it's a, this brings up a broader point about the internet. At the end of the day, the internet is going to give you what you're looking for. And if you're ever doing internet research about anything, not just UFOs, make sure you're using reliable sources. Yes. Yeah, that was the perfect way to end this episode. Thanks. It's true for everything, but I think it comes out most clearly with, I don't want to call them a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but things that we don't necessarily have so much concrete science about. Right. The internet, you'll get what you're looking for. Exactly. And it doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but make sure the sources you're using are valid. It's crazy. So just look. Like, you'll see websites that have .gov, .edu. Those are a lot more reliable. Even Wikipedia can be wrong. That's all data that's been entered by just the public. Exactly. Wikipedia, they have to list their sources. If you're ever unsure about a fact, go check out the source, because I've definitely had times where I'm like... This has a source that links to nowhere. Yeah, or a random blog. Exactly. The internet has so much information out there. Use it to your advantage. All right, Anna. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find us? Yeah. All right. So you can find us at butitisrocketscience.com. If you want to learn more about us, we have an about page. You can also shoot us a message if you want to send us ideas for future episodes or just say hi. And then we also actually have a merch store. 
We sell merch. Unfortunately, we only ship right now to the United States and Canada. But if we get interest from outside of those areas, just shoot us a message and we can see what we can do. And right now we have free shipping to the United States. So go take advantage of that free shipping. Woo! You can also find us on Instagram at But It Is Rocket Science. You can find us on Twitter at But It Is RS. And you can find us on Facebook at But It Is Rocket Science. We'll also have all of these linked in the show notes if you're curious. On top of that, we also have a Patreon. We know it's a really weird time right now. And if you want to just keep listening to this for free, by all means, please do. It's a weird time for everyone. But if you feel so inclined, we have a Patreon. We will link it in our sources. It's just, but it is rocket science. Do not feel any pressure. We are happy that you're listening at all. It means the world to us. Yes, absolutely. All right, Hannah, do you want to go into our sources? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I used an NPR.org article titled The Truth is Still Out There. Report says it didn't find evidence UFOs were aliens. Very long title. (laughs) Or maybe that's just what was in the URL. (laughs) I also used a NewYorkTimes.com article. It was actually a transcript of a podcast episode, and it was titled UFO Report Pentagon. I also used the DNI.gov the actual report itself, the preliminary assessment. And I also used our own show notes from episode 20 for Project Blue Book. How about you, Anna? I also used that NPR article with the really long title. That's where I got that quote from, and I forgot to mention the author. It's by Greg Meyer. I'll have linked under my sources that govern the actual government report. And then I have a defense.gov release it's a newsroom release talking about the formation of the, the UAPTF. And that's all I got. Perfect. Do you want to close it out? I do. All right. Until next time, Space Cadets. T minus three, two, two one, liftoff. Lift off. Fabulous. Fabulous.